the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. WTBN, Pinellas Park. Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. Understand this. In, in light of what we're studying, in light of what the scripture says, that if you are a believer in Christ, you will come under attack. In fact, you should know about warfare already. Maybe you don't know how to deal with warfare, but you should have experienced attacks already. If you've never had any kind of spiritual battle, then you're not a believer because he attacks believers. Or you're so ineffective and so weak in your faith that you're of no threat to Satan. But we will be attacked. And because of that, we need to be prepared for those attacks. That's a good point. Satan does not attack people who are already doing what he wants them to do. But when you start seriously serving God, that gets his attention. He will want to put a stop to that, so you need to be ready. That might seem pretty scary, but there's no need to feel threatened because God has provided and Paul has described the exact defensive tools we need. You will find them in the sixth chapter of Ephesians, and that will be our area of study again today on Verse by Verse. It's nice to have you with us. Pastor teacher Steve Kreloff is leading us on a series of lessons about spiritual warfare. Pastor Steve has seen quite a bit of that in his 26 plus years at Lakeside Community Chapel. He has been the teaching pastor at Lakeside, located in Clearwater, Florida, since 1981. Of course, anyone who has served the Lord for very long soon becomes a battle-tested veteran. When you live your life as God intends, you become a serious threat to the kingdom of darkness. Paul gave a lot of great instructions in the book of Ephesians about how to live your life in a way that pleases the Lord. Maybe that's why he included, here in the last chapter of the book, this great battle manual so that when Satan tries to defend his kingdom, we will be ready for him. Don't let his threats and attacks discourage you. If you are a Christ follower, the Holy Spirit lives in you, and He is infinitely greater than anyone. Let's take a look now at who this wily adversary is, what kinds of things bug him, and we'll also consider some of the defenses available to us. Here is Pastor Steve. Now, I want you to know, this is not simply a section of Scripture informing us about spiritual warfare. It certainly is that, but it's far more. The purpose, the intent, the message of these verses is to instruct us on the spiritual resources that God has provided for us in order to protect us from the attacks of the devil and, and demons. In other words, this passage is designed to help us in our battles, not just inform us that we have battles. It's designed to help us. Using What Paul does is he uses the analogy of a, of a Roman soldier and the various pieces of armor that a Roman soldier would have, what he would wear as he got dressed to go to war. And that's the analogy. What this Roman soldier would wear for his protection in the physical battles, Paul tells us that God 
has resources for us. He's provided armor for us for our spiritual battles. The armor is called the full armor or complete armor of God. That's very interesting that remember when Paul wrote Ephesians, he was where? He was in Rome. He was under house arrest and he was chained to a Roman soldier, part of the Praetorian guard, the elite guard who who guarded Caesar the imperial guard. So Paul was chained to a Roman soldier and they changed about every four to six hours. It's not beyond speculation to see that the apostle Paul must have looked at these soldiers and inspired by God sat down and wrote this. In fact, years ago, Israel, my glory had a cover. The cover of Israel, my glory had the picture of the apostle Paul in a Roman jail, looking at a soldier and writing down, take up the full armor of God and going through the various pieces of a Roman soldier's attire. So that's the analogy. That's what's going on here. So Paul's concern is that we should always be ready for an attack by being properly dressed for war. And though there are many Christians who give little thought to the reality of Satan in their lives, this is important. Very important. Some of you probably think nothing about Satan or very little. Others, on the other hand, probably think too much about Satan. There are some Christians who want to see Satan in everything. If they, if they sneeze, they have a demon of nasal drip. Whatever, whatever is going on in their lives, it's always attributed to Satan. There's a demon behind every bush. The Bible doesn't teach that. But certainly the Bible teaches us that we ought not to ignore spiritual battles. Now, to balance this out, we need to recognize, too, as we begin this series, that by this series, we're not saying that we ought to be obsessed with Satan. We ought to give him more credit than credit is due. We ought not to neglect him. There are actually three enemies, the Bible says, that we have, not just Satan. Enemy number one, we're told, is the world. And by that, we mean the, the Bible means the world system. Love not the world, John said, neither the things that are in the world. The world system means that uh, this world's value system, the things that this world loves, it's an anti-Christ, an anti-Christian, anti-Bible system. It's opposed to righteousness. It's self-centered. And you know what? That's our enemy. That's our enemy. Those things in the world our enemies, not, not just things that, that people in the world do, but, but wickedness, wickedness, attitudes. Secondly, we're told we have an enemy called the flesh, the flesh. In fact, just a few weeks ago, we saw from First Peter, where Peter says that the, uh, our fleshly desires wage war against our soul. That's our sin, the sin in our lives. All you have to do is read Romans chapter 7 to see how Paul struggled with his flesh, He said, the things that I want to do, I don't always do that. The things that I don't want to do, those things I do. He called himself a wretched man. Paul certainly understood that there was an internal battle that had really nothing to do with Satan. However, we would be remiss if we did not say and teach that the devil is also our enemy. The world, the flesh, and the devil. And as I said before, don't be under the illusion that the devil is so powerful that he makes you do whatever he wants you to do. No, he is not. He's not all that. He's not all powerful. He is under God's authority. He is more powerful than we are. But we choose to give in to his temptations. Our flesh is weak and we give in to his temptations. We don't have to. Temptation is not sin. So we want to keep that all in balance. But 
understand this in, in light of what we're studying, in light of what the scripture says, that if you are a believer in Christ, you will come under attack. In fact, you should know about warfare already. Maybe you don't know how to deal with war, warfare, but you should have experienced attacks already. If you've never had any kind of spiritual battle, then you're not a believer because he attacks believers. Or you're so ineffective and so weak in your faith that you're of no threat to Satan. But we will be attacked. And because of that, we need to be prepared for those attacks. And that's what Ephesians chapter 6 is telling us about. Because if you, not, if you are not prepared for these attacks by being dressed and being protected, then you are going to be a defeated Christian, an ineffective Christian, a useless Christian for the kingdom of God's sake. And that is precisely Satan's goal and objective. He cannot take you out of God's hands. You cannot lose your salvation. But he can make you ineffective. Where does it say that? First Peter chapter 5. I would keep my place in Ephesians 6, but 1 Peter chapter 5. This is very clearly the goal of the devil. Verse 8 says this, be of sober spirit, 1 Peter 5, 8, be of sober spirit, be on the alert. And Peter tells us why. Why should we be sober-minded? Why should we be on the alert? Because your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour, not just someone, but us, seeking believers to devour. That's why Peter tells us. He's not telling unbelievers, he's telling us. In other words, like a roaring lion, always on the prowl to pounce upon his prey. So Satan is always on the lookout to overwhelm some believer with discouragement, with temptation, with persecution, with false teaching, with doubts, with worries. You name it, he can do it. And that means you, and that means me, and that's what I was going through, still go through that. I expect, in fact, as I go through the series, to be under attack more than ever. His goal is to defeat you so that you are spiritually useless, out of fellowship with the Lord, and incapable of effective service for Christ. Now, the scary thing is, that's where many of you might be right now. You could look at your life and say, you know what, at one point I was a vibrant believer, I really was excited about the Lord. I was filled with devotion, love for Christ. I was active in serving him in the church. But then you know what? Somewhere along the line, you came under attack. Certainly your flesh had to agree with Satan, but Satan attacked you perhaps in the form of, of a conflict with a fellow believer and you responded wrong. You, you gave the devil an opportunity in your life and you became bitter and resentful. Maybe it was an injustice done to you. Maybe it was a Christian who was hypocritical and you became very cynical. Maybe it was a failed relationship in which you feel like God let you down. Satan's moved right in and accusing God. Maybe it was a strong temptation, an allurement to sin, and you gave in. Maybe it was a great disappointment in your life. Or maybe Satan just preyed upon your lack of discipline to spend time alone with Christ and his word. And, and now you find yourself weak and ineffective and going through the motions. You go to church, but there's really nothing dynamic happening in your life. Well, regardless of how you got to this point, the results are the same. Satan has devoured you. So I said, can't take you out of a relationship with Christ, but he can devour you in the sense that you're not effective You're ineffective, out of fellowship, defeated. And the underlying reason for this is because when those demonic assaults came, you didn't have your armor on. You were not dressed for battle. 
You let down your guard, and so you were not protected. And as a result, you could not stand firm against Satan's attacks. And folks, standing firm is exactly what God wants you to do. Satan's goal is to devour you. What God wants is for you to stand firm. And I want to show you this from Ephesians chapter 6. I want you to notice how often in these verses, Paul refers to the concept of standing firm. In fact, you could even label the whole series standing firm while under attack. Because we will be attacked. The issue is, are we standing firm? Notice this, for example, in verse 11. He says, put on the full armor of God so that you'll be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. Verse 13, having done everything, he says, stand firm. Verse 14 at the beginning says, stand firm. Now, the word stand or stand firm was a military term used for standing one's ground in a critical position on a battlefield as opposed to turning around and and running away. It meant stand your ground, just what you think it means. That's what it means, but it was used in a military sense, which is appropriate for warfare, spiritual warfare. In fact, it's very interesting to note, and let me point this out to you, that when Paul describes the armor given to us, he does not list any piece of armor covering our backs. Isn't that interesting? There's no piece of armor covering your back. And the reason is obvious. In doing battle with Satan, we're never to turn around and retreat. We're never to run away. We're never to desert. We're never to be cowards. We are not to give up and let Satan wreck our lives and destroy us spiritually. When we come under attack, we are to make sure that we have all of our armor on to protect us. And then we stand our ground. We take courage. We're trusting the Lord. We are protected. And what that indicates, and I think this is very important, that we are not the aggressors in these attacks. We are not on the warpath. We are not on the offensive against Satan. He comes after us, and we simply resist him by wearing our armor of protection so that when the attack, and watch this, here's the point, when the attack is over and the dust settles, we're still standing firm and true to our Savior. That's the gist. That's the point. That's the flavor of these verses. It's not, it's not us going after him looking for trouble. He'll come to you. In fact, if you, uh, if you notice in verse 13, Paul says, Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you'll be able to resist in the evil day and having done everything to stand Firm. What is that evil day? I, I am not convinced he's talking about one particular day in the future. I think the evil day is any day he attacks. Any day that he attacks. Could be today. Could be tomorrow. It could be next month because he's not always attacking. How do we know that? Remember when Jesus was tempted, the Bible says that uh, he left him for a season. He left him for a season. Look for a more opportune time. James tells us, Peter tells us, resist the devil and he will flee from you. He is not omnipresent. He is not all-knowing. You are not always under attack, but you will come under attack on an evil day. This may be your day. Maybe you've just come through something. There'll be other attacks. Until you go to be with the Lord in his presence, there will be attacks. So the point of all these verses is to tell us and to teach us how to stand firm when we are attacked, so that when everything settles, Everything clears up, 
you're still standing firm and true to your Savior and His Word. Now, I want us to consider something important. We, we did not do a series now on Ephesians. We're breaking into a book. And you never want to just break into a book without, without explaining the flow of that book. Why, why, the question is this, why did Paul choose of all the New Testament letters to close this letter with so much information and so much practical advice and, and more than advice, but biblical truth about warfare? Why not other places? Why not Philippians? Why not Colossians? Why not Hebrews, if Paul wrote it or whoever wrote it? Why not? Only in Ephesians 6. Why? May I suggest to you, because Paul's letter to the Ephesians deals with so many critical truths in the Christian life that if one were to obey and one were to put this into practice, you would be a threat to the kingdom of darkness. These are life-transforming truths. Ephesians is one of the most significant books in the New Testament. Let me explain. There are six chapters in Ephesians, which, by the way, was probably not just to the Ephesians. It was probably designed to be a circular letter going around to Ephesus as well as other cities. Perhaps the cities that are mentioned in Revelation 2 and and 3, where the churches were in the various cities, probably a circular letter called Ephesians, because that was the main city of that area. But Paul's letter to The Ephesians deals with uh, so many critical issues. You have six chapters. The first three chapters deal with theology, their, their doctrine. And they tell us about the incredible blessings we have in Jesus Christ. Incredible blessings. We've been blessed in the heavenly places, Paul says. We have such amazing blessings as the forgiveness of our sins. We have incredible blessings like redemption. We belong to the Lord. He tells us we have an an eternal inheritance. He tells us that we have been made one in Christ, Jew and Gentile, into one new man. We we have been drawn close by the blood of, of Christ. The middle wall of partition is down, separating Jews from Gentiles. We are part of God's family. We are a kingdom. It's just incredible truth after truth after truth of all the riches that we have in Jesus Christ. But beginning with chapter 4, Paul tells us what the practical side of these doctrines are. In in fact, in chapter 4, verse 1, he says, Therefore I, the prisoner of the Lord, remember he was a prisoner, literally, when he wrote this, I implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. Now, it's interesting that as Paul opens this letter, he explains that all of these blessings have been granted to us by God's grace because he chose us and called us to be in Christ. You and I just didn't decide for him. We were dead, he tells us, dead in sins and trespasses, chapter 2. Dead people can't respond to any kind of stimulus. We were spiritually dead. We couldn't respond to Christ. So God did a work. He brought about regeneration. Then he gave us the gifts of repentance and faith. We came to believe in Christ because God called us to himself with that irresistible calling. And so we were called into a relationship with Christ. Now in chapter 4, verse 1, Paul says, in light of this calling, you have to walk worthy of that calling. You have to walk in a manner worthy of this calling. And so for the next two chapters, actually three chapters, the apostle Paul tells us how to walk or behave. How do we walk worthy of our calling? Walk means behave. Well, he tells us we are to walk in humility. We are to, we are to humble ourselves. 
understanding who we are and what God has done in our lives ought to bring great humility. We are to walk in unity. We're one, one faith, one Lord, one baptism, he says in chapter 4. We are to walk as a new man rather than our old selves. That's chapter 4 where he says, put off the old man, put on the new man. That's how we're to walk. We're to also walk in love, chapter 5. We are to love as we've been loved. We're to walk in light, not darkness. We're to walk in wisdom, not foolishness. We are to walk in the Spirit. We are to be controlled by the Spirit, not, not controlled by wine or anything of that nature. Now, what Paul is teaching us is that these are the very truths that transform our lives. If you embrace these truths, it transforms you as a husband. A husband who embraces all of this will be a husband who loves his wife like Christ loves the church. If you embrace these truths, a Christian wife will be like the church in submission to Jesus Christ as the head, as, as the church submits to Christ, so a wife will submit to her husband. Parents will be godly in nurturing their children. Children will be obedient and reverence in responding to their parents. You'll be better employers, better employees, witnesses for Christ and church members. In every facet of your life, there'll be a transformation. And here's the point as you put it all together. Once these glorious life-transforming truths get hold of your life and you start obeying the Lord in these various areas, you can expect Satan to attack you. You can expect the attacks to come. And that's why Paul, at the end of this letter, says, oh, let me just tell you, I've given you glorious truths, elevated, exalted truths, but don't forget when you embrace this and obey this, you'll be attacked down here. You will be attacked. And so he says in chapter 6, verse 10, finally, in my conclusion to this whole letter, I want you to know the, the reality is that a high calling doesn't mean that it's going to be easy for you. It's going to be difficult. You will come under attack. The more you grow in the Lord, the more godly you are, the more Christ means to you, the more you can expect to be involved in satanic oppression. He can't possess you, I might add. He can and does oppress you. In other words, Satan intensifies his efforts against those who are serious about following Christ because we become a threat to his kingdom, a threat to his kingdom. The stronger you are in your faith, the stronger will be Satan's attacks. But don't be discouraged by that. Don't say, well, that's the way it is. I don't want to grow in the Lord. No, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Don't be a, don't be a coward about this. And this principle of satanic opposition to godliness holds true for a local church as well. The more a local church is committed to Christ and to following his word, the more they can expect to be attacked. If you are walking in a manner worthy of your calling, you can expect trouble. One of the greatest fallacies is that when hard times come, either to an individual believer or to a local congregation, it means that God is punishing us or trying to get us to change direction. We do need to search our hearts to see if that might be the case. But if we are being obedient to the Lord, what is probably happening is Satan's natural response to us poking him in the eye. We will dig deeper into that scenario in the next verse by verse. It was good of you to join us today. Pastor teacher Steve Kreloff is leading us in an extensive study of spiritual warfare. Pastor Steve has been serving since 1981 at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Now we at Verse by Verse Ministries have the joy of making his clear 
expository messages available via radio. We are a faith ministry supported by the prayers and gifts of interested listeners who are first faithful to their own churches. If you missed the start of class, it is available on our website, versebyverseradio.org. You can either listen online or download it and listen later. If you know someone who would benefit from these programs, the website is a great resource, especially for those who can't listen to a radio at this time. There is a wealth of teaching available on our archives page as well. The address again is versebyverseradio.org. Today's class presented the second part of a four-part message. To hear the whole message at once, you can order a CD or a cassette by calling us at 727-441-1714. Leave your name and a number, and we will return your call during weekday office hours. That number again is 727-441-1714. I hope you are part of a Bible-believing, Bible-teaching church. In the next class, we will look at some of the ways and the reasons why Satan often attacks churches. These concepts are likely to be very useful if the devil starts taking shots at your church, so don't miss the next Verse by Verse. I'm Peter Silsap. You've been listening to Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. This program was pre-recorded. To learn more, including how to donate to this ministry, visit versebyverseradio.org. That's verse by We are here to give you strength between... Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.